This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning, everybody. Top of the Monday to you. Hope you're having a great uh, day so far. It is the beginning of another week. And uh, sometimes, you know, sounds a little depressing. But uh, be grateful you're alive, for heaven's sakes, and healthy and happy. Hope you had a great Father's Day as well. Uh, it's always fun to see what the kids' mother, what my wife buys for my kids for me for Father's Day. <laughs> it's always an exciting thing. I My five-year-old made a card for me. Oh, really? And my three-year-old handed me an envelope that had some scribble marks on it yeah. and a pencil inside. And I opened it up. She's like, ah, I tricked you. So there was <laughs> Make no your present. own card. Yeah. yeah. I gave you a pencil, Dad. What else do you need? Oh, fun. Good times uh, are had. Nothing better than a, a Father's Day celebration. And a bunch of food I couldn't eat. Mm. But it looked really good. Such as? Uh, we had fettuccine. I Ooh. ate it. I ate it without very much sauce. So I just had noodles, basically. Chicken. My wife did make me a giant bowl of Muddy Buddies. Really? Uh, Muddy Buddy would be Chex Mix? It's either Chex Mix or, you know, one of those straight-to-DVD movies starring all those dogs. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I like the <laughs> Chex Mix one. I like that much more. So uh, Father's Day recuperation, but um, today Joe Cannon's on the show, which means we're going to be talking politics. And I don't know that there's anything we could talk to Joe about. Nothing. Is there anything in politics going on? I mean, no, it's really slow. Pretty slow deal. Trump, he's still, uh, nobody's proven he's worked with the Russians. He's under investigation and he's not at the same time. Yeah, his attorney's pretty clear he's not. But he says he, he is. He says he is. But again, what does he know? He's not even an attorney. Well, his Twitter account, there are statements of the president. Sean Spicer says he's the president and the president is tweeting. Yeah. So there's, statement, there's statements from the president. Yeah. Unless they're not, as his lawyer says. Right. But that, I mean, and that, is a, that could be even a statement from the president. He's not a lawyer. So maybe he doesn't know when he's been he's been he's been sued a lot. So right. maybe he doesn't know when he's being sued and when he's not being sued. This is very confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very confusing time. And so we'll talk to Joe Cannon about that, find out if there's anything, you know, really, you know, that we need to know. There was the attack on the Republicans. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that fun. That was crazy. Uh, apparently, Scalise, uh, Representative Scalise, has had his status upgraded one level. So it's, it's just serious now. Not critical condition, but serious condition, which still sounds pretty serious. He's, that, he's awake. He's talking, but he's still in the hospital. He's still in jeopardy, yeah. He'll be in there for quite a while. Uh, plus what happens with uh, Sessions testifying before Congress. We'll get into all that fun stuff with Joe Cannon. Plus, of course, other empty news. A lot of stuff straight ahead. But first, to the headlines with Terry South. What's going on, Terry? The U.S. Navy has stopped its search for seven missing sailors after bodies were recovered on the ship involved in a collision in Japan. Vice Admiral Joseph Okoin, the commander of the Navy's 7th Fleet, said Sunday that a number of the bodies have been recovered in flooded parts of the USS Fitzgerald, though he declined to provide further details pending notification of the victims' families. The damage was significant. This was not a small collision, he said, with 300 crew members on board the ship at the time of the crash on Saturday. 
He said many of them would have been asleep when the ship was flooded, and there wasn't a lot of time for people mm. to get out. Three crew members, including the ship's captain, uh, Commander Bryce Benson, were uh, currently they were currently being treated for injuries. The cause of the collision is unclear. I believe the cause of the collision is the freighter ship that crashed into the side of the U.S. Uh, Fitzgerald. Yes, it's Fitzgerald. Wow. So. Um, the, the the curious thing is this is one of one, our, our most uh, our more advanced ships. It has radar and all yeah. kinds of early warning systems. How did they miss a freighter in the a middle freighter. of the ocean? Huge just freighter sort of floating ship. along and crashed into them. Well, they were all sleeping apparently. to the point where the freighter's fine. Yeah, the f- just had a few scratches. But we have you know like seven sailors are dead, people are injured. The side of the ship's all bashed in. They may have to pull it. They'll have to pull it out of service to fix it. Well, and apparently it was the, the captain's quarters was one of the parts that was hit kind of directly. Yeah, apparently along with some other. I mean, seven men dead. This is crazy. One of the reports said in the middle of the night, people are asleep like two thirty in the morning. But I mean, they have a crew. Oh, yeah. Someone's up there running well, and the ship. Still what alarms. Were, what and- were they doing? Yeah, because that's the speculation. Like, okay, so was someone not paying attention? What's like the, going on? I think the freighter turned and returned in its course. It did some weird it, maneuver, and yeah, it was probably trying to parallel park. Maybe those things are hard. Who knows? So that, the investigation will, sad, sad will story. We'll see if we hear about what happens. Phoenix, Arizona, experiencing a dangerous heat wave. The National Weather Service has issued an excessive heat warning for the city that extends through Wednesday. Temperatures in the valley will climb to about 112 degrees. That was over the weekend on Saturday. Sunday was expected around 116. It'll be between 119 and 120 today through Wednesday. According to an airport spokesman, commercial airplanes uh, performance charts did not account for temperatures at that high of, of rate. And so those charts have since been updated with data that extends into the 120s, allowing pilots to calculate for higher heat and longer takeoff requirements. Not only is extreme heat hard on planes mechanically, Mm. there's also an issue of physics. Hot air is less dense. Because the air is thin, the plane needs more distance to get, uh, get the speed and lift necessary to get off the ground. So it also makes the climb a little bit more difficult. In addition, the takeoff, climb, descent, landing can all be a bit bumpy thanks to turbulence. Yeah. Because of, you know, heat, warm air rising, all that. So they actually closed the airport last, was it last year, I think they closed the airport. There were some rumors like tires were melting right. or the, the asphalt on the, the runways. And actually it's just the fact that it takes longer to get off the ground. And they didn't have the data so that the pilots could figure out, okay, we need to get to this speed and do all that so they can have a safe takeoff. So... Man. Kind of of scary, but, you know, if you're flying to Phoenix, uh, I guess bring some suntan lotion. Maybe drive to Phoenix. Uh, Nike wants to be more nimble on its feet. The sneaker maker plans to sell more shoes directly to customers online as part of a restructuring, in which it also will cut about 1,400 jobs and is reducing the number of sneakers and clothing styles it makes by a quarter to focus on hot sellers. Nike said the move will help it offer more product to customers faster. It will make the sneaker selling apps Available in more countries at a time when many big retailers are closing stores as more people shop online. The company said the main focus will be the 12 key cities in 10 countries that are expected to represent more than 80% of a projected growth through 2020. Those cities mm. include New York, Paris, and Beijing. Wow. So Nike. They're cutting jobs but doing it so they can focus online more. Yeah, it, it's 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 a good cut. They're saying. <laughs> See what happens. Remember those pump shoes with the little basketballs? Yeah. You pump them up, and then there's a little button you release all the air. Mm-hmm. Did those ever make you jump higher? Oh yeah, really? I used to be able to dunk because of those. Hmm. At least in yeah, my little childhood head, I thought I did. Hmm. 
Moving on, Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps has battled the world's fastest swimmers and amassed 39 world records, but his toughest race is yet to come. Next month, actually it's Friday, Phelps is poised to face off against a great white shark in an epic race that is part of the Discovery Channel's annual Shark Week. Oh, wow. Details about how this race will go down remain unclear. Sharks surely can't swim between lane lines, so they can't, you know. Yeah. They're not going to cooperate with an official race, but a quick glance at a great white's average speed doesn't bode well for Phelps' chance in winning his 24th gold medal. Per discovery, a great white shark can swim at a rate of at least 25 miles per hour, though it can achieve bursts of speed up to 35 Mm. miles per hour. Phelps' fastest swim ever was at a speed of 6 miles an hour. (laughs) I'm going to miss him. Shark he was food. a he was a great swimmer, so that's just all Shark Week hype. Yeah, basically, they say that uh, Olympic gold medal winners are tastier. Oh, they are. Yeah, pound for pound, they they're so lean. It's a very lean meat. It's not as gamey as some of the other swimmers. Yeah, not as fishy. This is a horrible version of this song, by the way. It just keeps going. I wonder. If Sounds we- like it's Don Williams instead of John Williams. Definitely Don Williams on that one. Poor Don. Hey, uh, wow, where do you begin? And the London uh, accident? Holy cow. And that number, it's up to 79 people now. Oh, in the fire. In the fire. And then they had a a van hitting pedestrian accident. Not accident, but purposeful. After uh, Ramadan, a van drives right as everyone's letting out of uh, the the mosque. Yeah, and all of a sudden, boom. One dead, multiples injured. Crazy. The UK is in disarray. So now are they having retaliatory van strikes? Apparently. Is that how this works? Because this one was against Muslims. Last time it was, yeah. I guess, Muslims versus tourists because yeah. that's who they ended up running over. Crazy. And then the, that tower, 79 people presumed dead in that London fire. That number would probably go up. Ah. There's other things out there, just more and more people seeing as – I read a report talking about how there's limited access to actually get down – from the higher, uh, oh, higher yeah, you just floors, can't, there was like, like one stairwell. Other stairwells were blocked with equipment or something. And, yeah, just horrible safety in that building. And so all these people died. The UK really is taking – they're just taking a beating. They, they're, they're on the front edge and cutting edge of all of this. Of every, actually, every problem it seems like we have in the States, they're on the, the cutting edge. The, actually, the bleeding edge, sadly. Right. A lot of death, a lot of pain there. Um, what do you think about uh, Donald Trump? Now, it, it seems like, and this is what I'm going to ask Joe, it seems like there's a lot of smoke. Yes. I didn't know he smokes. I knew President Obama no, smoked. No, a, a lot of smoke around President Trump, but oh, not as much fire. Hmm. So is this just the Dems trying to to build this into something? Sure. And That's how, they got, well, that's how the Republicans got uh, Clinton. Yeah, they well, got some yeah. impeachment hearings because there was a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and but, then they they send what was it Star right? He yeah, goes Ken in and Star. starts mm-hmm. looking, and he found something else while he was looking, and that's what they actually impeached him on. And and but in the end, but and yeah, what's the end of it? There is right. no end. All it is is well, what it comes, I, I, what it looks like is you cause all this chaos. He doesn't get his agenda through. Mm-hmm. That's how you stop him. Because he can't do anything because they're fighting off all these other right. investigations. He can't focus on taxes or health care or any of this yeah. kind of stuff. Well, the, and, and neither, is can the, neither can Congress, right? I mean, well, yeah, because they have to actually you know, conduct the investigations. 
Yeah. So everyone's distracted. No one's actually working and you gum up the works, which was something that was done before. Mm -hmm. And everyone complained about it. Now they're doing it. Well, in fact, uh, Jason Chaffetz is about to leave office in two weeks or something. Yes, he paid for a convention over the weekend to yeah, find his successor as possible. And what's uh, he? He's now he's saying that Trump's Trump is just like Obama when it comes to releasing documents. Because mm. remember, the Obama administration wouldn't release a, a lot of documents um, to their to his committee, right. and neither will, amazingly, the Trump administration. Do you think that's why he's getting out? Maybe he's. I mean, just, he has a variety of reasons he's mentioned, but may, yeah. is it just the fact that he's going to have to try to go after his party in that position? And, it's and just, yeah, and who wants to do that? How, I mean, that's it, hard to get reelected as a Republican when you're going after Republicans. And we're only a hundred and something days into this. It's like forty hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Not even halfway through the first year. <laughs> There's a. A psychologist that was talking about why does it feel like for some people that time is moving so slow? I know. And it's the, a and time the, the, the Trump war. The, the, the psychologist says that the people that come to her and talk about how time is moving slow are really focused on the news. Yeah. And it's every single day. It's all the people that see the greatest thing that happened to me. I, I bought a new. Uh, it's ticking. There Time's goes. ticking. Time's ticking. Time is ticking. It's moving so slow. It does seem slow. It's um, I, I bought a car and it made me ch- have to change my Sirius XM out, and we've still been waiting to get it moved over to my new car. Mm. And the crazy thing is, uh, I can't listen to my four favorite cable shows. Oh, but it makes it wonderful because now I don't. So you were. Li- I don't ever think of Trump. You were listening to TV. I was listening to TV while driving. I would watch it, but people get mad about that. See, I was sorry about a lot of the health problems that you've been having, yeah. but this has just got to stop. What's that? Well, this problem that you're having with your Sirius XM. Yeah, it does. It's got it's unacceptable. Stop. It's it's unacceptable. So here's here's by the way the I I know how to fix this whole Trump Obama problem. Okay. Put President Carter back in. All right, He'll just cordial, shake hands. wonderful guy. Yeah. Great video of him getting on an airplane, and he still flies regular airplanes, not like uh, he doesn't have his own private jet. Mm. And he gets on the plane, and he shook everybody's hand on the plane. That's pretty cool. That's what we need, more diplomacy. How many people knew who he was? I'm sure a third of the people. Okay. (laughs) Oh, it's some old guy. How you doing? He's that kind old man shaking everyone's hand. And why does he have that big Everybody better know who that is. Come on. Right. So You know they they don't. No, they don't. They Who's don't. that? They don't have a clue. All right. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we will be speaking with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider, Joe in the know, about uh, all things political. Stick with us. It's Monday, folks, and that means it's time to talk politics. Who better to help us than Joe Cannon? Joe Cannon is currently the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which is an organization trying to lower your fuel costs here in the United States. He also was a candidate for U.S. Senate, also served as chairman of the Republican Party in Utah from 2002 to 2006, and uh, served in the uh, EPA under President Ronald Reagan. He... um, it was an assistant administrator there. It was also an editor 
of a morning newspaper, actually a, a, a newspaper. And uh, Joe, we need your help, my friend. Welcome to the show. Good to have you back. Thanks for having me, Matt. Sorry about last week. Oh, you know, no problem. You're a you're a very busy man. And uh, here's the deal, Joe. Um, boy, it, it seems like everybody's out to get Trump, but there's almost this one kind of bird in the canary everybody's using in this Georgia, um, the Georgia uh, uh, special election. Uh, there's, there's, um, I guess, Price, uh, Secretary, um, what is he, of Health and Human health, Services, health and human services. Um, Dr. Price, who was from this Georgia, uh, um, this Georgia uh, representative seat, lost the seat when he became a part of the cabinet, and now we have a runoff. And everybody's making all this noise about it, but is it – how really indicative is this about what's going on in the rest of the country? Well, you know, there are 435 congressional seats, and most of them – you know, the very famous phrase, uh, all politics is local. Yeah. But um, – but there, I think there's something here. Uh, you know, a, a lot of pundits are saying uh, this is much ado about nothing. But I would tell you that if the Democrats win, it will be, you know, hailed by Democrat commentators as the most important election, you know, and <laughs> ever. This is it. And if the Republicans win, they will say, see, Trump is going to be okay. Um Democrats will say, yeah, but they barely won. He barely won. And, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about in this. One. It's, it's an interesting district. I mean, the reason it's so, one, well, first of all, let's say, get clear, the election is tomorrow. Yeah. So so it's it's really timely to be talking about it. So, see, the election is tomorrow. It's between Democrat they, John Ossoff and a Republican Karen Handel. Karen Handel, right. And they had a... And I think it's some name for all this, but they have an all-hands uh, primary uh, you know, for everyone can run. You can vote for Democrat or Republican. And Ossoff won that with 48 percent. If he got, if he had gotten two more percent, hmm. he would be the congressman. We wouldn't be right having now. this discussion, yeah. We wouldn't be having it. So, and she, I think, only got maybe not even 20 percent. But then all the Republicans have now come together around her. And uh, it's the polling is is ranges in the past week, maybe 10 days. It's been plus seven for him to to a tie to plus one. Hmm. But I will I will say the those the plus seven, the the higher numbers were earlier. And as the race got, you know, I haven't seen any polling today, but uh, through Saturday, it was more like one to two or a tie, so it's very, very close, and uh, and um, you know turnout matters a huge amount here. But I think, unlike a lot of these special elections, there's going to be a very big turnout on both sides. The stakes are high, so you've got a, a you know, the election seems to be leaning to Ossoff a little bit, but that narrowed. Uh, this is a gargantuan. I don't. I'm not. I don't know. I couldn't find another race where anywhere near this amount of money was spent. But so far, it, I mean, it could end up more than fifty million dollars. What being spent? Uh, That's crazy. Ago, yeah, it was. It was over forty. So for this, for this, really, 
it's just a seat, right? I mean, it's 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 just a seat, but it's more of a it's like the bellwether. It's I guess it's 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 supposedly going to give momentum to one party. Well, of all the seats that are special election seats this year, this is the only one that's genuinely, uh, really genuinely contested that has a chance of going either way. Even the Montana race, where the guy hmm. slugged the report yeah. just before the election, still managed to win. But that was a that was Montana is a very red state these days. So. Um, well, and then so this is what's crazy to me. So uh, let's say Ossoff wins and he gets in there. Then he just for 50 million dollars, we got him. Uh, the Democrats get him elected. He gets in for what to then go sit there and not get much done right now and just be in a lot of hearings about, you know, President Trump. Right. Well, of course, if, if he wins, he's a Democrat, joins the minority. And of course, in the House. The minority, which, which whether it's Republican or Democrats, minority, the minority party has very little say in, in what happens. But you're right. This isn't about the candidate at all. I mean, this is, has almost nothing to do with the individuals here. It has to do it's, – it's a national referendum hmm. in this one district, which Trump barely won, even though the seat has been in Republican hands for decades it's a it's an old Republican seat. Newt Gingrich yeah. rep- represented this district at one time, so <laughs> it goes back a long time in Republican hands. But Trump barely beat Hillary Clinton in this very district, so that's why it's a, an interesting bellwether because hmm. it it really could go either way. Whereas most of them are either certain Democrat or certain Republican. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the spending here is, is crazy. The Republicans are looking at it as sort of a litmus test for their health care. So that might not seem very intuitive right now, but, yeah, the House has passed the health care bill. Senate is considering a health care bill. So the House is looking, the Republicans are looking, this is a little bit of a glimpse as to how the health care uh, issue resonates politically of course the democrats view it as a total referendum on trump yeah the the republicans at the local level are trying to turn it into a referendum on the democrats they're saying this guy's all of his money comes from out of state although by the way most of her money comes from out of state but but uh, uh the money comes from out of state that if they if she's elected He's going to vote for Nancy Pelosi for speaker. So they're trying to nationalize the race. Both both parties see this as a sort of a national referendum in this little microcosm of a congressional district. Wow. Uh, and again, so so that's going on. Uh, let's go back to last week with that attack on the on the congressmen and women. Um, at the baseball field, what's what's your view on that? I mean, that that seems to be a whole different, you know, level of um, of contention, and and this, this thing seems to be ratcheting up more and more. Well, yeah, you know, I'd hate to read too much into it. I mean, you had a crazy guy, coincidentally happened to be a very left wing progressive Democrat, which is itself sort of. Uh, schizophrenic kind of thinking because you would think those people wouldn't have guns or right. know about guns, but for sure he did, or at least he, he had guns. Uh, I, but I, I do think you're onto a point 
there is this tremendous anger and hate. And honestly, the anger is on both sides, but a lot of the acts have been more on the Democrat side. So, the, you know, shutting down free speech on campuses. So if you're a conservative and you want to speak at Berkeley, you're in, you're not mm. you're, you're, you're going to create a riot. And that's not just Berkeley. Numerous campuses have had these kinds of incidences. Uh, you've had little violent, mini violent clashes at some of the rallies, pro-Trump, anti-Trump rallies. I, I, I'm hoping, I don't believe in my bones that this is a bellwether of what's going to happen. I mean, the guy was a crazy guy. Uh, and he went crazy. He was clearly targeting Republicans. Apparently he had a list of Republican congressmen. Oh, yeah. When he, when, he, when he approached the field, there were a couple of congressmen leaving, and he asked him, are, you, is this, are these Democrats practicing or are these Republicans practicing? So he, he, it was not a, a random attack. It was pretty clear he was, he was aiming at this. But you know, I happened to be in Washington last week at, at the time. And, you know, it was – I thought there were some interesting outfalls, how permitted any of this is, who knows. But they did – so these, these congressmen were practicing for – a game that was to be held a couple of days later between Democrats and Republicans. It's, it's a fundraising mm. uh, game. And they, you know, they had, instead of usually have about 10,000 people come out, they, they play it in the Washington Nationals baseball park. A, they decided to go ahead with the game. B, there, was a, there were a lot of shows of unity and people being nicer to each other, kind of members, House members yeah. being nicer to each other. I mean, I really felt that Everyone was trying to, to reach out and say, look, we don't want this to be the symbol of American politics. I would say I thought uh, the president did a sounded pretty presidential. A, I don't re- think I saw any tweets uh, on this. And B, he gave a very, I thought, thoughtful, I watched it, I'm sure lots of people watched it, um, a thoughtful uh, message of unity. We should be coming together. So he didn't use it anyway as a vehicle um, to, you know, to further divide things. So I, I, I thought it was a super tragedy, although apparently Scalise, the, the very seriously, critically wounded congressman, is on the mend. Yeah. Just over the weekend, I think, is he, he had more surgeries, upgraded to serious, not critical. Apparently, he lost a lot of blood. Blessing for him is that there were two doctors on the field, right? Really? You know, yeah. Time, who kind of, kind of, you know, uh, able, were able to render emergency assistance, right? You know, right on the spot. So amazing. I don't know. It was a, yeah. Do Do you think it? Do you think it will actually drive any long term? Uh, you know. Uh, what's the softening of our rhetoric, um, or do you think it'll just continue to be polarized? I, I mean, the country is so polarized. The parties are so polarized. I don't see this having a long, long-term substantive effect. It may have a little bit of a rhetorical effect. I mean, there, the, the invective on, has been getting way out of hand. And, I mean, you know, you have pictures of comedians holding a severed, yeah. bleeding head. I mean, you have, you have a lot of really things that are, that are over the top. Um, if I could just be allowed one partisan comment, yeah. I, try, I try your program to be as neutral as possible. But 
I just remember the debate where Hillary Clinton, certain of victory, challenged Trump to accept the results of the election. You'll you'll accept the results of the election, right? And he said, "I don't know. I'll wait and see." Yeah, <laughs> which is which is a kind of a strange <laughs> answer. I, yeah, so, I'll see if I do. Then, I, yeah, but then it turns out who's not accepting the results of the election are. All the Democrat resistors. Oh, I mean, it's kind of interesting. To yeah. Me. Well, and and then I mean, of all people, too, a Bernie. This guy was a Bernie Sanders fan, and yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it was a really. It's just I don't know. Yeah, it, it creates this really interesting discussion. Um, yeah, Democrats don't necessarily aren't you know gun toting people and no no it's a very anomalous this yeah is a really anomalous kind of a situation it's it's a, boy and it, it you would think we'd be able to have really you know really effective discussions about it but in the end yeah it, it kind of falls down into to crazyville plus uh, we can later on talk about Megyn Kelly and all that crazy stuff as well um let's take a break joe come back continue the journey i want to talk about healthcare coming up also trump under investigation chaffetz uh, on his way out is now saying trump's administration is just as hard to get data from as the obama administration see what's going on there stick with us folks more with joe cannon joe in the know uh, up next right here on the matt townsend show Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today on the show, because it's Monday, we talk politics, and we always invite Joe Cannon to join us. Joe is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation and does a lot of work back in Washington, D.C. to lower our fuel costs here in the United States. He was also a a past party chairman uh, for the state of Utah, was a candidate for U.S. Senate, and served uh, in the Reagan administration. Uh, also an, um, an editor of a newspaper as well. And we like to just have him on the show to do whatever we can to understand what's going on politically. Joe, again, thanks for your time. And uh, anywhere fun this week that you're going to be going? Any any new stories you can tell us? Any ball games you'll be seeing? <laughs> no, no. I am going to Washington again this week. So oh. See, I'll be there this week. Uh, Sounds fun. <laughs> see what what. What interesting things happen there. Yeah. yeah. Go, will you go there and see if they're doing anything on the health care bill? Because we keep hearing promises that we'll have a health care bill sometime, uh, and yet it, it doesn't seem like much is happening. Well, someone quoted, you know, the majority leader McConnell is saying he wants to get a vote by July 4th. I don't. Wow. I just don't see how that's even possible. But there is a bill, uh, you know, the. The Democrats are very angry that it's a secret bill. It's being done behind closed doors, though many bills are like that. The, the real problem here is that they're, if they really are going to have a vote, they're not going to have any hearings on, in a, on an incredibly complex bill. Huh. I, I, you know, I don't want to sound like an expert. I do, because I, I, I thought you might bring this up, I... I boned up a little bit on it, but you know, the, if you just to put it in perspective, the House has passed a bill 
it was roundly criticized by every everybody, actually even Republicans. The Republicans said it's a dead on arrival. No, nothing's going to happen to it. Um, but it turns out that the structure of the Senate bill, there have been some leaks, some pretty significant leaks about what the bill, you know, how it's going to look. And it turns out it's going to look look structurally a lot like the House bill, but there are going to be some significant differences. And I, let me just put it in the political context, too. Uh, why would the House bill be dead on arrival? Well, even though this kind of a bill only requires 51 votes, Republicans only have, so they can only lose three votes. Hmm. They've only got two extra senators anyway, but then the vice president can vote in the case of a tie. So they need to have the whole Republican caucus supported. And if they don't, they're not going to get anything passed. So, and those three, um, well, you know, you've got Senator McCain, you've got uh, Senator Collins from um Maine. Oh, Maine. Uh, and th- these are, you know, more moderate. And then you've got other moderates like Senator Portman from Ohio is, a, is fairly moderate. And, and th- this is critical, actually. There are two senators that are focusing on one of these provisions in particular. One is Senator Portman, although now I don't think he's, he's not facing reelection. But the other one is Senator Dean Heller from Nevada, who is – you know, everyone talks about how many re- Democrat senators there are in red states, but he is a Republican senator, senator in a blue state, mm. so he's pretty vulnerable. So what are they all worried about is Medicaid expansion. So if you recall, under Obamacare, um, states got an initial chunk of money if they wanted to expand Medicaid. So a bunch of states decided to expand Medicaid under Obamacare, they got extra money for this. Under the House bill, those federal funds would, you know, they'd evaporate. I don't know if there may be a little bit of a glide path. So these two senators in particular, Portman and Heller, are saying, hey, let's not so fast. I mean, if we just wipe the, these funds out for the expanded Medicaid, A, lots of people aren't going to be covered. B, it's going to make me, put me, Dean Senator Heller, uh, politically even yeah. more vulnerable because I'm in a blue state and a blue state Medicaid expansion state. So anyhow, what what they're looking at is a three to seven year phase out uh, that would phase these funds out over time, uh, reduce the shock, let people get back. The, the other thing is there, there are a bunch of other things that are, that have the same titles, but are different under the, uh, Senate bill. So tax credits for lower income people and older Americans would be expanded maybe by quite a bit. Um, in the House bill, it was like 2000 to $4,000. Hmm. And it looks like it's going to be much higher. I, I couldn't find a number, but, but there'd be much higher tax credits for poorer people um, so, so that, that they could afford private health care. There are other little things. An interesting development is increased funding for the opioid crisis. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of the senators saying, look, this is a tremendous problem in our state. And so they're they're looking to beef that up, 
I don't think there are numbers there yet, but the question is how much insur- how much does insurance cover addiction treatment, you know, for this op- opioid uh, crisis. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing, if you remember, under Obamacare, there were these health exchanges. Yeah. But they've seen big increases in cost over time. Uh, and then you've seen the departure of insurance companies who are saying, oh, we're not even going to do this anymore. So there is some concern because if those go away, a chunk, you know, there's a big debate on how many and who really wants it. But still, a big chunk of people would be uncovered under that. So there, there's a, the Senate bill looks is, is attempting to get some more money into these exchanges so that they, again, they're looking at a glide path to phase it out, but, but over time, over over mm. a longer period of time. And then the one of the big issues that I think everyone thinks about, and this is an issue apparently really close to Senator Collins's heart, and that is how, how are you going to fund pre-existing conditions? How's, how's all that going to work? So I think the House bill... I don't know how much money is in the House bill, but the Senate bill is looking to maybe propose somewhere between eight and fifteen billion dollars to help with uh, uh, pre-existing conditions. And then there's some other provisions in there that would kind of, you know, help stabilize the insurance market so it could cover these uh, pre-existing conditions. But the overall goal is they still want the lower yeah. premiums. Yeah. So, I don't know how it all worked, but but there's there's more structure there than possible. Uh, I, of course, I've been wrong so many times on your program, Matt. But <laughs> I am I'm highly skeptical that this thing could get done. This and by July, I, yeah. You know, by it, we're we're talking about you know days now, almost in 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 Senate time. We're talking about seconds here. You know? Is this is this still the is this still the repeal bill? Um, because it sounds like a lot of this is about what you would replace it with. I, I thought, think no matter what happens, it's going to be called repeal and replace. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what happens. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you're right. It, it really is. It's more than tinkering. I mean, some of these things are phasing out, for example, phasing out that Medicaid expansion. That's a phase out. The only question is the debate is really on, on how long is that glide path. Uh, the exchanges, I think that's uh, on track for a phase out. Also, and again, a question is is timing. So uh, the one thing, what what the Republicans want to do, of course, is keep all the popular things like covering pre-existing conditions and helping the states that were the Medicaid expansion states. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, they want to keep the popular things and get rid of the costly things, and. It, Turns out that's a really hard thing to do because a lot of those popular things cost money. Mm. So uh, there are even some Republicans talking about extending some of the, so there are a whole range. As somebody said, you know, dozens of little taxes or big taxes in your eye. I, I never could get a handle on the number, but there were a chunk of tax increases in Obamacare. And it turns out even in the Senate side, even I think in the House side, preserved some of those taxes. Uh, to to as a as a way to pay for the for example the Medicaid expansion how how do you pay for even that phase out how do you pay for it well, yeah so so maybe they're going to keep some of those taxes at least for a little while boy you know 
Unbelievable uh, how slow it all works, how complicated it all is. And then, I mean, it's amazing that uh, Obama was able to get it through with such chaos and confusion. Um, I, I guess we, we can't let today go and, and not have you address Trump under investigation. He says it's a witch hunt. He's under investigation. His attorney now on TV is saying, oh, yeah, he's not being investigated. Um, so what's 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 how do you see what's going on with Trump and the investigation so far? And are the Democrats overreaching? You know, are they are they trying to push it too far, too high? Uh, I mean, sure, something happened, um, but it seems like a lot of a ton of smoke and not so much fire yet. There is a lot of smoke, and the appointment of a special prosecutor is a very big deal because that person has a pretty much unchecked uh, authority to examine whatever he wants and whoever he wants. Um, there's so much intrigue in this. I, I honestly have not got my mind all the way around it. It doesn't seem like Trump is actually under investigation. Now, the uh, the... The special prosecutor, however, has come out, and there have been leaks, so we don't know how true they are, how you know what the extent. But he is going to be examining witnesses that are connected to Trump's p- potential, you know, putative involvement in it. The thing that you raised, though, is sort of the spy versus spy. You got two people on the same team mm-hmm. disputing what the heck's happening. The, the attorney and the client. It's it's kind of an odd situation because so you got this attorney he's a you know pretty prominent guy saying well yeah i I know he tweeted that but you know tweets are very limited in in their (laughs) use and you can't really say a lot in tweets and probably didn't really mean that he was actually under literal investigation maybe he only meant that you know the deputy attorney general or the attorney general or somebody appointed the special prosecutor anyway it's a it's a lot of like you said smoke and mirrors yeah even even on the same side of the issue so i i don't know where it's going to go um you'd think i mean just being someone who reads the washington post and the new york times every day you'd think if there were some really hardcore evidence given all the leaks in this picture more of it would have been leaked yeah yeah, don't you think? I, I just don't know. We'll just—you you got a lot of investigations. You got a lot of jockeying. The the Senate members are uh, everybody. The House and the Senate—they want their own investigation. They don't want to be impeded by Mueller, and he doesn't want to be impeded by them. So, I, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting sideshow. But the, the unfortunate thing is, it's just sapping uh, the energy and, and momentum uh, out of the. White House and, and there's there's got to be some he's got to do something to isolate this so that's whatever's going to happen is going to happen there but that he uh, could try to govern yeah and, are the Democrats I mean it seems like it's it's exactly it seems a lot of what the Republicans were trying to do to with Clinton um, but you know there's a backfire to this too isn't there I mean at some point too you got I mean you got to get a conviction or you got to get something or in the end you've just, I guess, wasted out the time. Why? Well, that's what maybe they're doing, I guess, is running out the clock. Well, I mean, definitely the, if you're a Democrat, your goal is to um, weaken the power of the presidency, limit his ability to do the stuff that you don't want to have done. In particular, the, 
the undoing of the Obama legacy. And so the more you can divert Trump's attention away from that and divert the White House, not just Trump, but the, you know, the mechanics of the whole process, divert that away, then you're going to do that. Yeah, that's a that's a political tactic. And that's that is what's happening. And the question is, what's going to be the response to that by by the Republicans? Are they just going to continue to be thrown into that, you know, briar patch that they're stuck in the tar baby? What's what's going to yeah. happen in all of this? But that, but that that should become clearer over the over the summer. Hmm. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Crazy times, Joe. Well, we appreciate you. Keep up the great work. And uh, really, Fuel Freedom Foundation, go check out their website, fuelfreedom.org, uh, doing what they can to lower your fuel costs. And uh, because of that, Joe is in the know, thank heavens. We'll take a break, my friend. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball. Play ball. Welcome back, friends. Again, you'd think for the goodness of uh, and the good of the country, we'd be able to come together, wouldn't we? As politicians, did, did, we, did we just see what happened with 79 people dying in a tower in London? In, a, in their um, apartments in London because of a fire. And we've seen the many uh, car attacks on tourists as well as the recent one of the car attack or the van attacking and driving over um, a bunch of uh, Muslims coming out of their Ramadan fast out of a mosque. I mean, where does this end? And who's going to stop it? Then you look at uh, the... The Trump, you know, investigations, then you look at the shootings in uh, Washington, D.C. Folks, this is this isn't politics. This isn't this is chaos. This is crazy town. And so at some point, what how much more are you going to put up with? How much more are you going to allow and tolerate? How much rhetoric are you personally going to keep pushing? How divided will you let this become. Uh, we have to stop it. And it's it's going to be more, I think, about us as voters and as uh, citizens uniting and uh, pushing back a little bit on some of this chaos instead of just tolerating it and keeping the argument alive that, no, nah, this is just politics. This, we're just protecting our views. Anyway, uh, crazy, crazy stuff going on, folks. And we can stop it as citizens. But you gotta you gotta get involved, right? You can't just read about it. We'll take a break, folks. Hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. It's in the can. We'll be back. Stick with us. More fun next hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Happy Garfield Day. If you love that uh, cute little cat that was created by Jim Davis... Uh, by the way, the first time it appeared was June 19th, 1978. This has got to be painful for you because you can't eat lasagna, right? No, can't eat lasagna. 
But what a cute little, cute little Garfield. What was Garfield's, uh, was it his, what it, was it the dog? Otis. Yeah, Odie. Yeah. Odie also appeared in the cartoon strip. The world-renowned comic strip featured Garfield. Uh, it's set in Muncie, Indiana. Oh, Odie. Odie. Topical uh, uh, subjects focused on are obsessive eating, his uh, love for consuming lasagna, and his distaste of Mondays. So how ironic that Garfield Day today is falling on a Monday. Sorry, Garfield. It's also sauntering day. This is, I think, Terry's favorite day. This is our sauntering music. This is the day was formed by W.T. Rabe in 1979 as a response to the sworn enemy of saunter, jogging. Nobody likes jogging. They like sauntering. Jogging is a grueling attack on movement with rapidity, rapidity and effort being the purpose at hand. And the joy of being, all the joy being drained from getting around by making each step as painful as possible. Sauntering, on the other hand, doesn't mean just walking. It means walking as though the weight of the world has been lifted from your shoulders. Have you ever speed sauntered? No, that sounds like it would, that almost sounds like it wouldn't be sauntering anymore. Little, yeah. You know? Yeah. It means being free from stress and strain. It specifically implies that you will be moving in a joyful manner, which totally screams Terry walking with joy mm-hmm. hmm. you can hear your leg your pants rubbing rustling against each other when you saunter okay I can hear you coming down the hall I just walk with heavy feet heavy feet but joyful shoulders your shoulders are always moving when really? you saunter what? it's kind of a neat thing we'll uh, we will get into more sauntering uh, examples of Terry and his walking um, plus, we'll get into some uh, other places. If you're going to crash a car, by the way, the best place you can crash it would be into an emergency room. We'll get into that story ahead. Uh, plus, heat may be getting so high in Arizona that it's causing windows to shatter, car we windows. We talked about the airport yeah. earlier. They're considering some situations, what they're going to do. Uh, 120 degrees, possibly. It's a hard, I think I find it hard to saunter in that such heat. <clears throat> So hard to to do that. Plus, we'll get into some information about uh, the soup Nazi, the beloved Seinfeld episode about the soup Nazi. Well, apparently, there's trouble in soup Nazi land. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that story straight ahead. But first, to Terry South with the headlines. Terry, what's going on? North Korea's foreign ministry has slammed the U.S. slammed U.S. authorities for what it describes as a mugging of the country's diplomats at John F. Kennedy International Airport last week. A ministry spokesman says a delegation from North Korea, returning from a United Nations conference, had a package confiscated in a quote an illegal and heinous act of provocation. Diplomats of a sovereign state are being robbed of a diplomatic package in the middle of New York, where the headquarters of the United Nations is located. That serves as a venue for international meetings, including the United Nations General Assembly, the spokesperson said, calling the U.S. a lawless gangster state. Wow. What do you think? Lawless gangster state? Sounds, yeah, sounds horrible. The uh, country's state-run news agency says 20 officials from the diplomatic Dipl- Department of Homeland Security made a violent assault like gangsters to take away the diplomatic package. The White House and State Department have yet to comment on the matter. And if they did, they'd probably be contradictory because that's how they've been working for the last week. Wow. White House says one thing, yeah. State Department says another yeah. thing. Everyone's confused, so whatever. So a package was taken. It's Come on. It was Funyuns. They came to the United States. They had to get their Funyuns. How else is Kim Jong-un getting... He has to get his Funyuns. 
they yeah T- stole the Funyuns. <laughs> oh, I'd kill for a Funyun right now. Uh, other news: the tasty looking, brightly colored laundry detergent pods. Oh yeah, right. They're that, killing people. Yeah, little kids because they look at them. them and they're like, "Wow, well, clear." Not just children. Oh, adults are playing with them. Yeah, now. it says two children and six adults with cognitive uh, impairments, oh, no. such as dementia, have died in the past five years after eating the pods, which are meant to you be used instead of traditional liquid clothing detergent. Advocates are urging manufacturers to redesign the packets so they look less like candy. The American Cleaning Institute has been asking laundry pod companies to include child-proof latches on the packages, sell detergent in opaque pods, not the clear ones that show off everything, and use a bitter coat on the outside of the pod to discourage anyone from putting it in their mouths. Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe you need to put a bitter pod on it. Bitter pod. Boy, I didn't. I did not realize that this was a problem. It is for everyone, even adults, huh? So, but you see them, and you're like, it, it kind of looks like candy. It looks like well, it, it looks like a teething ring or something. Well, that right? too. Like, I better start chewing on that. I go for it. Um, millions of rural Americans are stranded in the dial-up age as internet providers continue to underserve regions outside of major metropolitan centers. This, according to the Wall Street Journal, approximately 39 percent of the rural population in the country. About 23 million people don't have fast internet, which is defined as having the speed to support email, web surfing, video streaming, and graphics for more than one device at, at a time. On, uh, on the other hand, the 4% of urban dwellers that lack fast internet, installing fiber optic ca- cables, which cost around 30000 a mile, $30,000 a mile simply isn't financially feasible for sparsely populated regions of America. So communities are instead served by existing copper lines, which are still too weak to deliver high-speed data. Mm. Satellite dishes and fixed wireless also rely on sending data over short distances and can't handle high data activities like video streaming. Uh, some lawmakers are hoping Trump's admin- the Trump administration will address the problem in its infrastructure promises they've made. But can who I, knows? Can I just point something out? Sure. Terry just said rural twice correctly rural that is one of the hardest that words is, in yeah. our vocabulary which is amazing oh, it's, it's, it's terrible it's terrible <laughs> it's terribly but, hard you know if we're gonna get people to a, a modern age maybe that's something right. the infrastructure package could deal with right. if they ever get that Let's far get but, some fiber optic everywhere come on know, they're gonna be dealing with russia so they'll, they'll never yeah, get that's there true. and finally first came the wolf of wall street Mm. Now the U.S. government says two more feature films were financed by illicit foreign money. In a complaint issued Thursday, the Justice Department claimed that tens of millions of dollars were diverted from a Malaysian government investment fund to produce Dumb and Dumber 2 and (laughs) Daddy's Home. It's part of what prosecutors say was an enormous international fraud. Corrupt officials and financiers stole $4.5 billion from the investment firm owned by the government of Malaysia between 2009 and 2015, laundering the money through a series of shell companies with bank accounts in the U.S. and abroad. Prosecutors have filed, uh, filed to recover $1.7 billion. Uh, the feds want profits from Leonardo DiCaprio's The Wolf of Wall Street. The wow. Justice Department says millions in stolen money was funneled through Red Granite Pictures, a Los Angeles production company. The government is uh, uh, laying to claim to the movie rights from all three films in question, as well as any profits. Red Granite is denied knowing any, uh, except any illicit money. The studio says it was cooperating with the Justice Department. You know, the real crime here is that, you know, Dumb and Dumber 2 never should have been made in the first place. What? Dumb and Dumber 1, greatest movie of all time. Yes. One of one of them. <laughs> so that's how you launder your money. You finance movies. But of all movies, The Wolf of Wall Street, too. Yeah. I mean, it's it's about fraud, isn't it? 
basically. So you're laundering your money through a movie-making company? I mean, if they need to launder money, come on. There's other ways to do that. I've been watching some Netflix series about laundering money. Right. Breaking Bad? Uh, I'm not going to name okay. names. But, in fact, today we've got a – Buy a car a, wash? Buy, yeah. Buy a car wash is one way to wash or your a, money. Or a chicken, chicken joint. fast food place, yeah. <laughs> you, um, you need to – in fact, we sometime today we've got to find time to talk about Netflix and uh, – what's the name of the company? Uh, VidAngel. VidAngel. Hmm. Because uh, we need to know more about money laundering, and and you can't watch Netflix w- without seeing a lot of stuff you don't want to see. So if you could put a little vid angel on it, then you could launder some of those movies. Is this what's going on with the soup Nazi? Yeah, the soup Nazi, oh, no. saddest thing in the world. Uh, if you're if you're familiar with the Seinfeld soup Nazi um, character, where he's he basically says no soup for you. You're not allowed. No soup for you. <laughs> One year. <laughs> he won't let people have the soup they want when they want it. Well, the soup man, as he's called, his real name is um, Al Ye- Yegane. He's a chef who inspired angry Seinfeld character of the soup Nazi. But he now is being uh, – he's filed for bankruptcy this week. And so Soupman's chief financial officer was arrested and charged with tax evasion. So because he's – He's now being charged with tax evasion. Millions and millions of dollars is uh, in his company are going to be lost, and nobody's really going to be able to get soup anymore. No, no soup for anybody. No. Yeah. I think uh, I think they'll still be able to get it in the stores. Although I didn't even know it was in the stores. I did not either. A hundred creditors between uh, are owed between ten million and fifty million dollars, according to bankruptcy filings. The company listed one million to ten million in assets. They didn't pay their taxes. Mm-mm. Maybe it was the bread. The bread is expensive. Yeah, you it's gotta, two dollars extra. You got apparently. Pay. He was a less allegedly um, Suitman's chief financial officer was a red was a, arrested for failing to pay nearly six hundred thousand dollars worth of Medicare, Social Security, and federal income taxes. He denied any wrongdoing, and uh, you know, so they're in trouble. The original Suitman. And the soup Nazi, they're in trouble. They're Matt, filing for bankruptcy. You want bread? Yeah. Three dollars. Is that what it, Three dollars for the bread. No soup for you. Come back one year. Yep. Sad day. I've actually been there. Have you really? To the, yeah, it's kind of this stand that you just walk along and it's got his picture up on the marquee and he's not smiling. Well, he's, he's the soup Nazi. Yeah. And there is a printed out set of rules like by have, which one must abide so in order have, to get the soup. You have to get the soup and then you have to pay for expensive bread. You have to have your money ready. You have to move along the line in an orderly fashion. I can't remember <laughs> what else there was. Unfortunately, when I went, it was closed. Really? A couple of the other kids in the group that I was in, uh, they went back the next day and I think they paid about $12 for a cup of soup. Really? Mm-hmm. Was it that good of soup? Do you re- oh, you weren't. They you said they said it was it. amazing. They said it was great. Well, uh, it, it, you know, apparently it's not going to be as easy to get anymore. I mean, it is in the, in the stores, but maybe you know, maybe this is the beginning of an end. So, did they just when the IRS contacted them? Did they just say no taxes for you? Probably. 
And then, you know, and then they just keep pushing. The IRS is kind of funny that way. Hey, uh, another story. Car crashes into an emergency room. Officials say two elderly women suffered minor injuries after their car crashed through the emergency room window at the Massachusetts Hospital. A spokeswoman for the Newton Wellesley Hospital in Newton says an 87-year-old woman was driving her friend's car to the hospital after her friend had a nosebleed. Officials say the woman tried to park the car when the gas pedal got stuck. The car smashed into the window uh, of a pediatric waiting area of the emergency room. Scary. The woman uh, said no one inside was 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 waiting at the time, so nobody was injured inside. The two women were evaluated at the hospital and are expected to be okay. I'm telling you, though, if you're if you're going to crash into something, I mean, the emergency room is the best place you could crash. Into. Except uh, if this had happened a few weeks ago, they would have crashed into you and your wife delivering the baby in the lobby. <laughs> it's probably in that waiting room. That's a good point. You know, you got to – you could have gone either way. Yeah. That's why they probably don't like you delivering right there in the doorway. You know what, though? The most dangerous thing that happens in the lobby is babies being born in the lobby. Yeah, for sure. And in fact, I, I think I had to play the clip from that new movie, Babies in the Lobby – um, because Samuel L. Jackson plays, oh, love it. Let's hear it. He plays it's a, new, it's a, a new janitor by Samuel L. Jackson that is sick and tired of having to deliver all these babies. I have had it with these mothers in distress delivering their small and fragile babies on my squeaky clean floors. Step aside, nurse. I'll handle this. Now, someone give me a diaper. Step. Wow, that's a, that sounds intense. He's, you know, he's making quite a lot of money with these Inna and Anna movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snakes on a plane. Snakes in a toilet. Snakes in a toilet. Snakes in a car. Babies in the lobby. Yeah. It sounds like a great movie. And by the way, that baby played by Stas Simpson. Had a little cameo. That was a pretty nice way to get your baby involved. I'm happy that they finally used a newborn in a movie. Whenever yeah. you see a newborn in a movie, it's like a five-month-old. Yeah, seriously. It's got like a ton of hair and <laughs> – yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy that way. Uh, anyway, we'll take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to be talking sportsmanship up next. How do you teach good sportsmanship? Stick with us. The, uh, the skills, the tools you need to make it through a ball game. Welcome back, friends. Do you feel like you're in a stadium waiting for the KISS camp to come around and shine down on you? Hey, we are today talking about sportsmanship. Many of you may have heard um, that in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association is trying to correct the practice of game day taunts. And the students are not thrilled. Um, Are the taunts... All in good fun, you know, like when somebody shoots an air ball in a basketball game and the student body starts yelling, air ball, air ball. Is that bad sportsmanship or is that just part of the play, part of the game? Well, we wanted to to find out from an expert really what is good sportsmanship and how do you teach good sportsmanship? Some of the pushback 
on what's going on in Wisconsin is just they, they felt like it was kind of more heavy handed how the rules were being made instead of creating an open discussion around uh, sportsmanship, which may have been more valuable to keep everyone in the discussion. Our guest today is Dr. Jennifer Waldron. She's the Associate Professor of Physical Education and Leisure Services at the University of Northern Iowa. She joins us now live from Iowa to talk about sportsmanship. Dr. Waldron, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great to have you. Hey, have have you recovered from uh, the whole Iowa caucus? We have, yes. Uh, okay. Everything has moved on to New Hampshire now. <laughs> yeah, good. Now you can breathe and just right. go cash all the checks. Exactly. <laughs> Not a bad thing for Iowa. Hey, we appreciate you being here. You've heard about what's going on in Wisconsin. Um, what, what do you think about that? I mean, it's is, is it to, to yell air ball when a, another opposing student hits an air ball in basketball? Is that bad sportsmanship? I think um, it is connected to really the unique environment within sport. And so we, I talk about this issue with my, my college students. And one of the things I say is that, you know, if you were a doctor and in surgery, you know, you wouldn't want someone <laughs> saying those sorts of taunts. Right. The surgeons cutting you open yeah. sort of thing. Um, and they all laugh and giggle. And then we talk about the unique environment in sport where we do expect these things to happen. Yeah. Um, and so I think what is interesting is that many states, especially at the high school level, have similar policies in place for sport conduct and sportsmanship. Wisconsin is interesting because they do have that very clear list in their policies. And for whatever reason, they have decided in the last six months that they wanted to emphasize the um, implementation of those particular policies. And, you know, I think that a lot of those areas are a gray area and things that we just have come to expect within the sport environment. Mm. No, totally. And and, and there's it seems like there is something amok. There's something going on nowadays. You tell me if you've seen this where, um, like, you might see an athlete stare someone down kind of stand over them or like do a crossover in basketball where they say, you know, I broke their ankles and the guy falls to the ground or whatever. And then he stares him down and then shoots a shot. That that seems to be happening a lot more than ever. Yes. And, and that's one of the things that um, many people talk about is that if we start at these sort of gray area levels of, you know, booing and, you know, maybe just a snide comment to your opponent once in a while, that they kind of open the door to these more serious behaviors um, that really are haunting, that are really demeaning, that are really problematic in a lot of ways. Um, but we do see an increase in that. Um, I think part of the reason is is the media, um, yeah. and we have however many sport networks that we can watch at any time. Right. Um, and then and we record so, it, right? And then we send it out on YouTube, and we put it out there, and it's everywhere for everyone to watch 100,000 times. Exactly, over and over and over again. And so these acts just become almost second nature, that people just expect it to happen. If I'm a high school player, then that's what I do because it's been role modeled to me over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess part of this is, Social media and other things are creating a culture where the taunting – but it almost seems different. And I guess crowds could be taunting as well. Um, But it seems different when it's on the court versus in the stadium. Is Um, there a distinction? um, I think that the distinction is that oftentimes the taunting that are in the stands is just this general sort of taunting, the booing, the – 
goodbye, that sort of thing. And so it's more general, not directed at a person necessarily. And the taunting that we see on the court is typically one-on-one, that, you know, it's one person going after or in the face of someone else. Um, We have heard stories, though, of how spectators and crowds have, you know, singled out one particular player uh, and been very demeaning and Mm -hmm. calling names. And, Rightly so, you know, media has picked up on that and people have picked up on that and have, we have determined that that's problematic. Um, but the general sort of booing, the general sort of crowd behavior that we've come to expect, for most of us, we'd say, yeah, that's just part of the game and you learn to adapt to it. Mm. And we, I mean, is, are the coaches, they seem to me to be the, the most pivotal player here or person here. Be, remember the story last year of two I think like two defensive backs on a team that went and actually tackled or hit a referee and knocked him to the ground. Um, It was in Texas. And all of a sudden uh, you see that the coaches in my day, if if I taunted somebody, my coach would have my head. Right. And are the coaches loosening up? Are the coaches becoming more of the problem, too? Well, I think that they are definitely a part of the sport environment. And, um, you know, coaches, a change has happened where even high school coaches are under an immense pressure to win. Um, And if they don't, then they know that their job is potentially on the line. Um, And so I think some of the coaches kind of go down that slippery slope of let's do this so we win and I get prestige and I can keep my job. I will say, though, that – You know, there are excellent coaches out there who are doing excellent work to make sure that their players are engaged in good sport conduct um, and respectful to opponents and refs and umpires. I also um, think that in the stands, though, if we're looking at spectator behavior, that that's not the coach's role. Um, The coach has so many responsibilities to do while the competition is going on that the coach cannot monitor what's going on in the stands. How many times have you seen a bad call and then people start throwing stuff down on the court and the coaches are doing everything they can now to stop fans? I mean, it's exactly that that I guess that's the arena. That's the the team owner. That's whoever's in charge of the space. Right. 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 And we can think about, you know, at the high school level, which is what's happening in Wisconsin, you know, parents playing a pivotal role at that point in time um, to kind of contain the crowd and keep it in a more positive light. No. Now, okay, then educate us. Okay, what is what is sports? I guess sports. It could be sports personship. What is what is sports? Good sport conduct is one of the terms that people are using now. Yes. What what is it? What really should it be? And, um, and just start teaching us what is our goal here. And, and do it because there's a reason we're and I'm, I'm mainly thinking of our youth and our. Right. I mean, high school, college, college on. That's a different game, it seems like. Right. But the, teach us how we should be teaching good sport conduct with our youth. Um, so we typically think about good sport to conduct as respect to ourselves, respect to the coaches, respect to our opponents respect to the referee, and then respect to the game. Um, and so, again, what, what happens is the interpretation of what that means varies person to person. Um, and, of course, with the unique environment of, of sport, um, that people have very, can have very different interpretations. 
Um, but what we need to have is at the youth level, coaches need to be very clear with athletes about what behaviors are acceptable. And they need to be clear with parents about what behaviors are acceptable. Um, they can do this by, you know, sending out letters to, to parents. Um, they can do it by bringing in um, media stories that have happened about good sport conduct um, and share it and have a discussion. They can also do it with poor sport conduct. Um, when you see someone punch someone else on the, on the field mm -hmm. or, um, you know, be really quite demeaning and rude in terms of language that you come in and you have a conversation with your players about why this is not appropriate. Um, and I think that it has to be institutionalized so that it has to start, you know, within the high school setting with the athletic director and getting people on board that way. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of athletic associations, state athletic associations, are doing some great, great things. They often have sportsmanship summits. Um, so the Michigan High School Athletic Association, for example, has a sportsmanship summit that they offer every year, and they have schools come, and they have these discussions about what high school sports should be. Um, most high school athletic associations also have kind of a sportsmanship award, um, and this allows schools then to have these conversations about what uh, good sport conduct is. I love that. I, by yeah. the way, I love that because I'm biased because when I was in grad